Amen. Amen. Take your Bible. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Y'all look even more interesting from up here. Yes, I can see what you mean. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Why don't you stand one more time, stretch your legs, read a couple verses and see what the Lord has for us. Now, I know this is a tall order, but let's try to read 5, 6, and 7 all together. Are you ready? The Bible says, verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. All right, let's pray. Now, Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray now you bless your word. Father, I pray that you give me exactly uh, what uh, everyone needs here tonight. Father, most of all, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Now, I believe we're at a very critical juncture in the meeting. There's a couple of reasons why I think that. First of all, y'all are extremely uncomfortable at this point in time. It's the second day. A lot of things are happening. A lot of friendships are being forged. A lot of people are still angry at one another because you stole their sock. I hope you didn't steal their sock. But the reason I say we're at a critical juncture because the last couple days I believe a lot of heavy lifting and heavy work has been done. And I'm immediately taken back to this afternoon. And when I left here this morning, I had this idea that the excavator was running. Now I'm talking about Dr. Peacock's message. And some of you may have just said, Lord, please would you send the Komatsu PC 8000, it only has 4,000 horsepower and a 42 meter bucket, but anyways, I need it, and you're asking for some heavenly excavation, so I think at this point it's a critical juncture, because oftentimes when you ask God to do the work and you're willing to listen to the preaching, things begin to happen, and if you can imagine that excavator going down deep and pulling out what he said and the things in your life that need to be pulled out, Oftentimes, there's a great big void. There's a great big hole left there. And the preacher said, and I'm not trying to re-preach his message. I'm just trying to get back, merge back into traffic. And many times, there's a big hole because we've done the right thing. We've listened to the Holy Spirit. And we've been here a number of times. We've been at this very place. Now we get the stuff out that doesn't need to be there. I'll go ahead and admit, and many times you don't take out the things that need, and that's why you fail, and that's what was preached before. But some of you have been here a number of times, and what you have done is you've done the excavation, you've asked the Lord to do the heavy digging, and now you're there, and you're almost ready for the foundation to be laid. You're wondering what it's going to look like. But I think it's at this point that we take a second and step back and look at a couple things. Look at a couple things. In anticipation of what the Lord has for us, 
I think it's very important to remind you that as it was said in the video, on that map it said this phrase, the right road leads out at the right place. And can I encourage you? Can I exhort you? Maybe even be a little bit of a cheerleader. Not the one with the skirt and the pom-poms, but can I just say, if you are there and you ask the Lord for the excavator, you're on the right road. You have gone farther than many will go. A lot of people, they won't take it, they won't listen, they reject it, but the fact that you listened, you've, you've been dedicated, you've been committed, you've been honest with yourself, you've made decisions already at this altar, and now you've gone farther than many people will go. I'm just trying to encourage you to say that you're on the right road. And let's remember this, the right road always leads where? At the right place. Now the reason I'm saying that is again because some of you doubt that. Because some of you are saying, I've been here before, I know where this goes. I know how this, I know how this plays out. What's going to happen is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and get right. I'm going to go ahead and make promises. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. And then when I get home, I'm going to lose my joy. I'm going to get discouraged. Well, you might. But never forget, the journey is long. We're not in it for a, a week-long race. This is a marathon. And you're saying, I ain't a runner. Well, that's all right. Paul said, having done all to... And the one preacher I know, he says, if you get tired, just lay down. But don't get off the track. I'm stalling just for a little bit because I want you to think of where we're at. I want to talk about the right road for just a second. And in this text today, I want you to see in verse 1... This right road, it begins with salvation. If you look at verse 1, you say, I don't see salvation there. I do. Everyone has a ministry and the fact that you receive mercy. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the moment you receive mercy, isn't it? And that ministry became a ministry of grace. And for that very reason, if you're here today and you're saved, you can go on and not faint. But if you're here today without Jesus Christ, you don't have any mercy at all. But that thing, that right road, verse 1 begins with salvation, right? Now look at verse 17 and 18. The right road, the end of the chapter, always leads out at the right place. That verse 17 takes you and ends you up in glory. In verse 18, you're speaking of eternal things. The right road always leads out at the right place. Begins with salvation, ends up in glory. The Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, He that hath begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. We know that, we believe it, we're thankful for it. But the right road, and I'm wanting to encourage you for a second before we get it, that you're on the right road. The excavation process has begun. It's taken the dedication, the sweat equity. Amen. And some of you have done a little bit of sweat today, didn't you? Can I just kind of bounce it back to what the preacher said earlier? What if you put as much sweat into your Christian life as you did throwing water balloons? I'm not trying to shame you, but man, that's, a great, that's just a great analogy. What if you went after the things of God like you're doing this week, the way you did in the games? Something to think about. I mean, what if you went after your Bible reading like you went after the top bunk or the bottom bunk? I ain't going to sit on the bottom bunk.
But I want to talk about this thing about being on the right road. If you look at verse 2, I want to show you just a couple things. Not only does the right road begin at salvation, it ends in glory in verse 18. In verse 2, you're going to see the right fellowship take place. And Brother Joe talked about that. And that right fellowship means that you've got to get honest, and some of you have. Not only do I see the right fellowship in verse 2, but I see the right preaching in verse 5 and 6. You know what's critical to a meeting like this? The right type of preaching. You say, well, how self-serving. No, how honest. You say, is it the right preaching because you're up here doing it? Hardly. But if you look in the text, you see the right kind of preaching, and the right kind of preaching is the preaching that God's going to use to do business with you. You got the right fellowship in, in, in verse 2, and you got the right preaching in verses 5 and 6, and of course you see it. We're not going to preach on it, but you got the right vessel in verse number 7. I'm telling you, that thing is littered. The right road leads out at the right place every single time. So in my mind, the excavator is still running, and the Lord's kind of sitting there wanting to know if you still want any more digging done, or are you done? But I want to back up just a little bit, and I want to talk about that thing about the right kind of preaching. I'd like to go that direction for a second. I think it's important. I think it's important for you as a camper. You like that word camper? Are you a camper? Are you a happy camper? We'll ask you Friday. I live next to a campground. I've never camped there a day in my life. My property literally bumped up to a campground. <laughs> I never pitched a tent there once. But I think it's important for you to know, for to understand and to identify this right preaching from the text. I notice the thing about this, night, this, this right type of preaching, it's laid right out in the King James Bible for you to see. And if you'll let me, I'd like to preach just a little, about, a little bit about the right type of preaching so you can see. I guess what I'm saying is this. The reason you got help last night, the reason some of you got help this morning, was because you did the right things on the right road. It's just not happenstance. And when you're on the right road, you're going to run into right preaching. And I'm hopefully this does not sound like what they would call word vomit. But you need to be able to take away from this what the right kind of preaching is. And it's not an agenda. Let me tell you what I know. I know people and preachers and camps right now that have agendas for their kids. This one does not. The only agenda is please the Lord. And pray to God that you benefit spiritually from it. But the right kind of preaching is necessary. So for just a moment, let's look at this right type of preaching. Can I say this first of all and help you see this? The right type of preaching, number one, exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5. Verse 5. It might seem a little bit elementary, but can I tell you I've sat under a lot of preaching. And can I tell you I've sat under a lot of preaching that was not the right type of preaching. I may have even been for a handful of years guilty of not attempting to do the right type of preaching. I think it's important for you to be able to identify this. First of all, number one, the right kind of preaching, as you see in the Bible, is the preaching that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5. Paul says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. That's none other than exaltation. You see, the right preaching today, as you know, is not about you. The right preaching is not about your abilities. 
how skillful you are. No doubt some of you are very skillful. I'm not going to arm wrestle you any. You don't have to prove nothing to me. I'm 46. I might look big and mean, but really I'm not. But the right type of preaching is not about you, your abilities. The right type of preaching is not about your aims in life. How about this? The right type of preaching is not about your aptitudes, what you can aspire to be and what you think you will be one day. The right type of preaching is also Lord Jesus Christ. We doing all right tonight. It's just simple. But once you get a hold of it, you'll be able to identify it. Because can I just say from the pulpits today and not talking about the preachers that are here, I believe we have the right group of preachers. There's a lot of preaching going on. You have to be, you say why you preach this? Because everyone's got their favorite YouTube dud. Everyone's got their favorite whatever social media person that you have got to be careful. You realize that God has given you a pastor, he's given you a preacher, and he's put on that man's heart what he's supposed to preach. And I know you're going to listen and watch whatever you want to do, but if you're not careful with what you listen to and what you watch, you'll miss the right kind of preaching because you were snacking between meals eating a bunch of garbage. I'm just trying to give you the biblical perspective from this text without looking for our treasure and earthen vessels here. The right kind of preaching, first of all, exalts Jesus Christ. He needs to be number one. Even a preacher's testimony and even the illustrations he used is done for the sole purpose of what? Lifting up the Savior. What's the hymn say? More, more about Jesus. More, more about me. The preaching's got to be about Jesus. There is a name I love to hear even though it is my own. It sounds like music in mine ear. Right? I'm just saying that the biblical preaching that works is stuff that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you number two here tonight. The right kind of preaching is found in your text. It expounds on your position as a servant. Real simple. Verse 5. He says, And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. That's none other than subjugation. Our position from the Bible is that once we're saved, obviously we'll become uh, the child of God, but as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But Paul says, and ourselves, your servants. The right kind of preaching ex expounds upon your position as a servant. We're a servant for Christ's sake. We're not a servant because we have to be, I'm serving the Lord. <laughs> you know, I got to go serve the Lord today. We said that with a lot of joy. Yeah, yeah, I sure did, you know. But your, Paul says, our, we're your servants for Christ's sake. We don't serve because we have to. Now, if your parents uh, have you served the Lord, well, praise the Lord. But there's going to come a point in time when you're going to have to make the decision, am I going to serve the Lord or what? I'm saying the right kind of preaching expounds upon your position as a servant. And you know what Paul was to the Corinthians? He was their servant. You know what these preachers that are here this week? They are your servants. They didn't come to put a notch on their belt. They came to serve. That's the right kind of preaching. They came to help. They're not paper boys. They're not here for collection. But the right kind of preaching, it exalts Jesus Christ and expounds your position as a servant. Isn't it interesting how... Man likes to make leaders. 
Every company has to have a leader and end up in abysmal failure. But even in religion and associations and administrations and, and the rest of that thing, you, it's always, you never hear about, uh, we're, having our, we're having our national servant conference. No, you never hear that. It's, come to our national leaders conference. We're going to make a leader out of you. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't follow half of them to the bathroom. I'm just saying our position is a servant. And we ought to, by love, Paul says in Galatians 5, serve one another. You see that it's not, it, a lot of people make everything about duty, and I believe in duty, and you should get up and you should go to work, and you should be regular, and you should be regular in work. Not, okay, you know what I'm saying? You should be on time and all that stuff and be a good worker, but we ought to, by love, serve one another. Some days you might have to do it out of duty, but hopefully your motive can be love. I'm just saying the right type of preaching, it expounds our position as a servant. That's our job. My job is to serve you. Here's a thing that I've seen over the years I think has crippled us too high for crutches as Bible believers many times. It's like this. We know we're nothing but a nothing. Okay, seven of you do. The rest you're going to vote later. But this is what happens, I think, I believe. And since I'm preaching, I'll preach it this way. We know we're nothing unless we have Jesus Christ. We're nothing but a nothing. What happens is we get bitter because we think we are something and then we treat everyone, treat, treat, not tweet, we treat everyone like we shouldn't. Why? Well, you're nothing but a nothing. Okay, but you know what? I'm supposed to treat you like you're everything. And Paul says ourselves your servants. His position was that of a servant. Simple, not trying to complicate it, but the right kind of preaching, it exalts Jesus Christ and it exposes our position as a servant. But here's a real, here's a real hang up. This is the generation that must be served. Oh no, not me. I'm, I'm super independent. You're in McDonald's three times a day for a coffee. You don't even make your own coffee. If you're in the big city, it's Starbucks. You just went from $6 a day to 18. That's all that means. But no, I don't, I, I don't make anybody serve me. Look, can I give you some practical advice? I'll talk to the men here. It's in the Bible somewhere. If you want to make a living, choose a field where you serve people. You might not be rich, but you'll always have work. Cut grass, pick up dog stuff, right? Whatever, just serve people and you will make a living. Might not be, you know, pay your, you know, you know call of duty bill, but it'll, it'll get somewhere down the road, amen? But this is the generation that, that gets served. It gets served. But Paul says we're supposed to be a servant. I'm just, I'm just simply showing you the right type of preaching, and I believe you've been getting the right type of preaching here. And the right type of preaching, it exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no agenda to it. You see, when you walked in the door, you didn't have to uh, sign a piece of paper that said, would you like this college and this college and this college to come to your church? Uh, at no time this week, I don't think so, Brother Joe, are they going to get some college choir up here, sing to you, and then try to get you to go there. That's not why you're here. But we're here to exalt Jesus Christ, and we're here to realize and expose our position to be a servant. 
Let me tell you what, if you're here today and you don't desire to serve others, there is something wrong. Now look, the first couple days I can understand. I've only been coming, uh, privileged to be a part of this camp for a few years, but the first couple days it's, it's kind of weird. It is. Because some of you don't know how to fit in yet. You don't even know who you are. You're like, oh, I'm this person. You have your perceived reality and your perceived identity. And, and of course, you can't be on Facebook this week, so you're struggling because you can't reference that profile anymore. But you're just having a hard time fitting in. And so you have that little bit of discomfort. And what's going on now is your flesh is beginning to work on you. So come Wednesday, <laughs> your flesh will hate you even more especially after tug of war tonight, amen? But real preaching, it exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. It expounds your position as a servant. Can I say this number three tonight? The right kind of preaching which you have been getting, and that's why I believe it's working. It exposes the heart to light. It exposes the heart to light. That's illumination. You ever, uh, th those of you that have brothers and sisters, you ever like bust in the, in the bedroom uh, in the middle of the night? Don't do that around our part of the woods. They'll just shoot you, amen? But if you break it, you know, you bust into your, your sibling's door and you flip the light on in the middle of the night, they're like, ah. <laughs> I bet you that's how you react to preaching sometimes. You're like, ah. Why? Real preaching exposes the heart to light, doesn't it? Man, some of y'all got a face making Undertaker cry right now. What's wrong with that? Real preaching exposes a heart to light. It does. And you know what? The longer you're awake, the less the light hurts. I mean, real preaching will wake you up in a heartbeat. Look at, look at the ver, uh, verse uh, number six here. Paul says that it shined where? In our hearts. Now, this creates a real problem. Why? Well, John 3.19 says men love darkness rather than light. You see that? Well, let me tell you this. You know this. This is nothing new that you, you haven't heard before, but the heart needs to be exposed to light because you know there's a problem with the heart. You know that it's deceitful. You know that it's desperately wicked. You know that nobody can really know it. But that's why the real, right type of preaching exposes your heart to light. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit walks by and that preaching's going on and he flips that light on, you're about ready to freak right out. You're like, whoa, wait a minute now. Why? The right kind of preaching exposes the heart to light. The heart needs to be exposed. And once the heart is exposed to light, you know what you do? You have a choice. My grandmother, she grew up in Tennessee, and she moved to Monroe, Michigan, where uh, my grandpa, he, uh, he worked in a paper mill. But they were Southerners, and they, they came to... Detroit and end up moving to Monroe and they had this one room in their house and it was pristine. Any of y'all got a room in the house that doesn't get used? Well they were that kind of people. They had this room and it never got used. Every once in a while you see a cat in the chair. The cat was in it more than anybody else. But as you walked by the curtains were always drawn tight and the chair was in place and uh, uh, the Chester drawers was over there. And they had all these weird names for furniture. I call it couch, you know, sofa, love seat, or whatever. But, and it just always looked nice and kept. Well, one day when we went over there, I come in, uh, you come up the front porch, and there was a swing that Grandma was always on. Grandma always had a front porch swing there. And when I came in, shut the door behind me, and I was, you, know, you, you, you go from light to dark, and you get kind of blinded, don't you? 
But that day, there was a crack in the, the, the curtains were open just a little bit. So I come through that room and I turn around and I was amazed. That clean room, as the sun's rays come right through that curtain, you know what I saw? I saw about a million dust particles. I said, look at all that dust and look at all that dirt. Can I tell you, when your heart is exposed to light, you've got two choices. You can either, number one, clean that room of the dirt, or number two, shut the light off. That's the choice you got. Clean up the dirt or shut off the light. You see, but real preaching, it takes your heart and exposes it to light. Let me ask you today, have you, have you cleaned the rooms? You say, what do you mean, clean the rooms? Well, there's many rooms in your heart, and many of them are dirty. You say, why? Your heart's deceitful. Your heart's desperately wicked. You say, well, I came to the altar, and I got this right, this right, and this right. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you did. I bet you feel a whole lot better, don't you? But you know what? There's still a few rooms in there, maybe, that are locked up nice and tight, and you don't let anybody in. But as the heart begins to expose to light, you're going to start to see the dirt. And you're going to continually be faced with the fact, do I clean the room or do I shut off the light? That's the right kind of preaching that you and I need. It exposes the heart to light. Can I give you this one here? Look at verse 6. The right type of preaching, it endows us with the knowledge of God. That's a big word that it just means it's a gift. It endows us with the knowledge of God. Verse 6 says, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, the more you sit under the right kind of preaching, the more of the knowledge of God you will get. You agree? The right type of preaching, the right kind of preaching, the more you sit under it, the more of the knowledge of God you'll get. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, the preacher referenced it last night, I believe. Paul said that I may know him. You know, over in the book of Exodus chapter 31, uh, Moses, the greatest mountain climb in the world, you know what he said to the Lord in chapter 31? He said, uh, I want to know you more. About seven, eight, or nine verses later, he went from, I want to know him more, to I want to see your glory. Do you want to know God better? I tell you what, the more I sit under the right kind of preaching, I want to know God better. I want to know him more. I, you know what I want to know? My wife does too. What is my problem? I want to know him better today than I did yesterday. He said, is that even possible? I believe it is. I'm not talking about a super fantastic and charismatic way. I'm just saying, I want to know him. And Paul said that I may know him. But that's what the, real, the right kind of preaching does. It exposes the heart to light and it endows us. It's a gift to the knowledge of God. Well, do you want to know Jesus Christ better? Let me give you another one here. The right type of preaching, right in the text. Right type of preaching, right there in verse 6. The right type of preaching, it enriches us with the power of God. You say, oh, come on, preacher. You can tell me I'm going to get the power of God through preaching. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me tell you what, some of you walked in here uh, yesterday uh, like a bunch of mummies. I mean, some of you are going to be so spiritual walking out of here, you almost be walking on the water out there by the time you leave. You say, oh, how fantastic. It is fantastic. The right type of preaching enriches us with the power of God. Not only did Paul, uh, Paul want to know him better, but he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You see, the more you know God, guess what? the more you get is power. And you're thinking, oh, I hate the power of God. No, you're not going to walk on water. Stop it. But the more you want to know him, 
the more power he'll give you. How about this? The more preaching you sit under, the more right type of preaching you sit under that you've been giving, the more power of God you'll have by the end of this week. He said, I'll prove it. Really? How about the ability, the power of God to control yourself? Some of you nuts are ready to fist fight today, I heard. I might pay tickets to see some of that. It'd be boring. But by the end of the week, if you had a little bit more preaching in you, the right kind of preaching, would you be able to control yourself? God could give you the power to control yourself. Some of you right now, all you want to do is you want to get the spotlight. You're waiting for the spotlight. You're waiting for the opportunity to shine. Hey, I understand that. I've been there, done that, owned several t-shirts. It's not right, but I understand it. Why? Because where you come from, they don't treat you very nice. They don't treat you very good. They step on you. You know, a lot of moms and dads and preachers, you know what they're bad about? They just kind of put you lower than you should be. And then there's the other side of it. And then there's that one person that pampers you and puts you way higher than you should be. I've never found the perfect person who just puts you like Jesus does. He lets you see exactly how you are. But you sit under the right kind of preaching like you've been getting. And by the end of this week, you'll have more power of God like power to control yourself. Not have to be in the... How about victory over sin? Not so quick to snap. A little bit more patience with your brother who you love in the Lord and hate in the flesh. <laughs> what is that? That's the right kind of preaching. That's what you and I... I don't know about you. When I sit under the right kind of preaching, I feel like there is not a big enough rock in the world to climb under. I'm like, oh, it's one of my favorite preachers. And when he's done, I'm like, I hate him. I feel terrible. That's the way you're supposed to feel. You really think that the more you hear the right kind of preaching that you're just going to feel better and eventually you're just going to, oh. No, you're going to feel worse. Why? Because the Lord deals with you in stages. At least he does with me. He deals with you in stages. He shows you the dirt and then he wants to see what you're going to do with it. Are you going to take care of the dirt or are you just going to let it sit there? Preacher already said that. So as you take care of the dirt, as you take out the trash, Right? then he'll deal with you on something else. And you'll get going down the road of life, and you're like, what's that smell? I thought I changed my socks. No, it's more trash in your can. And you look around, there's that bitterness that you have towards your parents. And you're like, uh, Houston, we have a problem because I dealt with that at camp. And the, Lord, the Holy Spirit's like, yes, you did, but there's another occurrence back here that I want to show you about. Remember, that stuff just doesn't populate for no reason. Yes, I know that Satan is the accuser of our brethren, right? And if you put something under the blood, the Lord's not going to go, yeah, but remember what you did back then. That's, that's the devil. But a lot of times he'll deal with you in stages. But the right kind of preaching will help you with, get the power of God. How about the power of God to put down your flesh? It's killing some of you all to go without your phones this week. Say, what do you think about that? I think it's great. <laughs> I tell you what, the best thing you could do is take that thing and flush it. Amen. You said, you first, preacher. All right, then you've got to field all my voicemails, all the emails, and all, you, you've got to field all that. But the best thing you can do is flush that thing. I understand communication. I understand safety and protocol and all that stuff. But man, it's good for you to unplug, isn't it? Amen. And if you can unplug and stay unplugged, that'd be the power of God through the right kind of preaching. Because you're not going to do that on your own. You're not going to do it on your own. Well, we're talking about the right kind of preaching here.
because the right type of preaching, it enriches us. We say, what does enrich mean? It's just, it's spiritual cultivation. Every time that preacher gets up and begins to preach, it's like the hammer of God's love and the hammer of God's grace, and that paw goes bam, bam, just a little bit deeper. And the more that thing hits, the more that thing beats, it just eventually, hopefully, by the grace of God, becomes pliable. That's what he wants out of you, out of the right kind of preaching. He wants you to be pliable. He wants you to be at the place where the Lord can say boo, and you're like, ha, ha. If he says jump, you say how high. And as the old man say, we say paint the grass, you say, how green. The Lord wants pliability. But that power, that power of God, everybody wants the power of God, right? I do. 20 years ago. I can't believe it's 20 years ago. I used to get like one shot a year to preach for a number of years. For a number of years, I got one shot. It was like five minutes. I had five, five to ten minutes at the, the, the yearly camp meeting, you know? And so a preacher got up, he preached about building an altar. I'm so country stupid, I thought he's talking about gathering stones going in the backyard. So what do I do? I'm driving around 89 Thunderbird. Every time I see a nice rock, I stop and pick it up and go, hey, there's a rock for my altar. If I'm lying, I'm frying. It's ask my wife. So about two acres behind our property, there's a a gully there and it goes up and a thicket on the right and the left. and, And there's a place where I tried to make an altar. What are you laughing for? You never tried it. So here's my chance to preach for the one year. Why? I want the power of God. I want to be spiritual. Because the preacher said I need to rebuild my altar, and I just, I just a little, you know, well, like the boys, you know, just slow. And I thought I had to build a physical altar to be spiritual, but I was learning something every time I took a stone out there. There ain't too many. Don't get too excited. I'd pray all the way out there, Lord, bless the stone. And I'm thinking, if I get an altar built, am I going to have to make a sacrifice out here? My neighbors already think I'm weird. So I want the power of God. I'm going to get my chance to preach 20 years ago. So I'm out there and I'm, I'm bending over my altar and it's, it's stinking midnight. And I'm praying, I'm praying so loud, the hair in the back of my neck standing up. And I'm like, if my neighbors hear me, they're going to call the cops, I know it. So here I'm squalling and a bawling trying to get a hold of God because I think I'm spiritual. And I'm like, oh, Lord, and I inhale. You know, I'm going to be a hacking preacher. And about that time, a June bug went right down my throat. And now I'm over the rocks gagging, trying to vomit and trying to get rid of this bug because I want the power of God. You say, what happened? Well, there's something on their legs like these little knives, and they like clung to my throat. So I'm trying to gag this bug out of my throat because I'm trying to get the power of God. It's trying to climb back down. You say, what happened? I got tired of fighting and went to bed, and I don't know what happened. It just eventually quit moving. I guess it just, well, we worked that all out later. But anyways, you say, did you get the power of God? No. The power of God came through sitting year after year under the right kind of preaching. Just trying to show you the right kind of preaching through the text that exalts Jesus Christ. It expounds our position as a servant. The right type of preaching. It enriches us with the power of God. And as we get ready to shift gears here, I say all that because I believe that you've been getting the right kind of preaching here. It's not self-serving. Maybe just a little bit of a cheerleader because for many years... 
I wasn't able to identify the right kind of preaching. And I think you need to put your ears on and make sure you're able to identify the preaching. So what do you say? Are you ready to stay on the right road? The excavator's still there. We're getting ready to take the next step. You know what real preaching is. You know what the right kind of preaching is through the text. Why? The treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure is the light from verse 6. Colossians chapter 127 talks about the riches. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. All that enabling us to press toward the mark for the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I believe God's ready to reveal the next step to us. He'll do it if you let Him. Verse 5, and we'll close. The Bible says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Campers, never forget the right kind of preaching and the indelible mark that it'll make on you. All right, Brother Joe.